How are you, Rashad? Good. How are you? I'm great. It's a beautiful day. It's a nice day. Speaking of nice days, you've been you've been outside. I have been. Yeah. Gotta walk this one. Oh, the cute puppy. What's what's your dog's name? Bruce. Why is Bruce a common dog name? Personally, I I prefer single syllable names for pets. He's actually named after this inside joke in a movie called um, Dog Tooth. Have you ever seen it? I haven't seen Dog Tooth. No. It's like an obscure European film about. Um, these two siblings who are held hostage by their parents and uh, their uh, mother basically, or their parents have tell them that um, once they lose their dog tooth, they can leave the house, which they don't ever really grow out of. Once they uh, lose their dog tooth. Yeah. Is this like a dog movie? I'm trying to, no. Well, there are dogs in it, but it's based on these two sisters. Is, is this like a like a biopic or is this like a fictional movie? Like, all right, so it's not a dog dog movie, which is good because I'm not a dog movie person. <laughs> like, are you a dog movie person? Do you like those those movies? I was really into 101 Dalmatians, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> but at least it's not like a um, POV, like all of the new dog movies that have been coming out. There are new ones? Like what? I don't know. Wasn't there one with uh, Tom Hanks? Wasn't that a dog movie? No, that wasn't. Oh, wait. Was it? Was it Tom Hanks? It was like a big actor. Uh, it's like I'm not think it's not The Rock or anything like that. But oh no, it's the guy that um. There's another movie that just came out. The series of movies. He's um. He's like a male stripper. Magic Mike. Magic Mike. Who's the actor in that? Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. There's a new dog movie that came out with Channing Tatum. I think it looks terrible. I mean, it came out last year, but that was like another. I thought all the dog movies were done, but I guess they're just going to. I was just going to keep making dog movies. Oh, right. Yes. Have you seen John Wick? That's like a dog movie. <laughs> <laughs> Love John Wick. I've, I forgot that, that that was John Wick one. Yes, that is a dog movie. I agree. Um, your life could be a dog movie, honestly, if you think about it. Because as of late, it's the weather's been getting nice, and everyone and their mothers have been going to every park. So, like Central Park has been like blown up with babies, like every corner. Prospect Park. I was just walking. I walked the whole park. I don't know if that's like insane or. I was in Converse's too. These aren't like walking shoes. I was oh. just like, I was like this punk, like walking the whole park, not chilling in the middle. And then like McCarran was like Coachella, basically. Oh yeah. So yeah. gross. <laughs> so gross. 
Yeah, but you you were uh, you were at the park. I was. Yeah, I took a little microdose and we love we love uh, microdosing on this podcast. <laughs> this, yeah, this is a little bit of a microdose. Um, yeah, and I I peaked while watching this guy's nice young white man read a copy of bell hooks all about love <laughs> and i don't know if he was signaling um but he looked really really intensely focused and, and engrossed by what a, whichever chapter he was reading and i got like a rush of hope for you know for, for the humanity <laughs> for humanity yeah like oh this guy's doing the work he's, he's learning but it was also in the subway, right? It's like you're checking off all the all the boxes. It's like reading in the subway, bell hooks, shorts. All right. We're I'm I don't know what isn't getting noticed, but like if that was me, that's totally getting noticed in the subway. I feel like reading in the subway. I don't know if it was cool or not. What's your hot take? reading in the subway or is it over i guess it's still it's nice to see what people are reading out in public i couldn't do it i i used to be a reader on the subway but that ended a long time ago it's what you know it's like first year second year being in new york yeah <laughs> and then you're like okay actually it's not as cool as i thought yeah i got really into doing crosswords on the subway at one point Crosswords are cool. Sudoku is cool. Um, any type of game on your phone, Candy Crush. I don't know Animal Crossing. If people still play that, there was I don't know, Nintendo Go. Like if if you were still doing all that, that's that's totally cool. I anything to just like have no one talk to me on the subway is cool. But like a book, that's totally gonna. I don't know. You're probably trying to get someone to talk to you, especially if you're reading bell hooks. I feel like the last time I read a book, man, this is like the last time I read a book on the subway was from my friend who I think he's, I don't know if he's still in the industry or anymore, but he's, he's a porn star and he wrote a book and for some odd reason, I decided to like read a book on the subway. And that was just, it turned out to be his book. And I swore off that I would never read a book on the subway ever again after I, I read like a few chapters of that book. Oh no, did it traumatize you? It didn't traumatize me, but it's like not appropriate. Like I, I thought it was going to be like not pornographic, like, like stories in the porn industry. I thought it was like a wholesome book, like... He works in the industry, and so he wanted to write something separate from it. So I was like, okay, I'll give this, I'll give my old high school friend a chance at a second book of life, like look at life. And no, it was a complete fail. And it's just like, I'm reading like the first few chapters. And I was like, dude, this is like not good to be reading this type of book on the subway like you said traumatized i was traumatized 
after. What's the name of the book? It was years ago. I cannot remember it, but like, <laughs> I don't know why I thought that would be a good idea to like read that. Yeah, I'd like to read a, a book by a porn star about like, you know, the climate crisis or <laughs> <laughs> like that. That's something I would read. Everyone I know is smoking elf bars. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how um, they haven't built an establishment in Brooklyn yet called Elf Bar where like Elf Bar. Yeah, but you also get to buy Elf Bars there. Did you get that online? I saw like a meme of um, it was like a like a painting of a bunch of like elvish people hanging out that said elf bar and i was like why isn't this brooklyn yet (laughs) because there's everything in brooklyn now like all those (laughs) weed stores have you been into any of the these like new weed stores no is it fun no they they look scary from the outside (laughs) i don't know and i didn't know that hookah was like was still a thing like i didn't know like hookah was still big yeah, I wish. Yeah, I wish they made those stores look a little more approachable. Like, I'd love, um, I'd love a bar that's open like twenty four seven. That's like a karaoke bar, but you also get high, and they only serve you spaghetti. But there's also like a sauna room that you can karaoke in, and it would be called Spaghetti. I always thought that would be such a brilliant business plan. <laughs> that would be a, a brilliant business plan. Spaghetti's been getting like a lot of uh, press. Did you hear about like the the spaghetti oh, being right. like in New Jersey? Yeah, I, I I saw headlines of that. Have they investigated anything further? <laughs> no, they haven't. Uh, so what we're talking about is people are dumping spaghetti into the forests. I, I don't know where they're getting the spaghetti. No one knows who, but it just reminds me of, so I'm from Philadelphia and in Philly, we used to have this warehouse called the spaghetti warehouse. And it was like, all you can eat spaghetti 24 seven. And it's not called the spaghetti warehouse anymore. It's called union transfer and it's an actual like music venue, but I still wish that they served spaghetti like half the time when you go there, it's just a bar and a venue, but spaghetti it's spaghetti's back in spaghetti. Never left. Never out. <laughs> that's, that's so true. I mean, I've been going to a bunch of Italian restaurants. I don't really, no one says like, can I get the spaghetti? It's like bolognese. Mm-hmm. Ragu. Like ragu, veal, rigatoni, like something, something crazy, but no, nothing spaghetti. Last night I went to, um, have you been to Fowlwich? It's a new restaurant that's in the East Village. And I currently right now have, I have an issue with restaurants in, in the city, in Manhattan right now. What's your beef with them? My beef, the spaghetti on restaurants in the city, in Manhattan right now is that they, you expect a meal, but like it's, 
small plates and when they mean small plates it's actually like really small plates Mm, i hate that yeah it's not tapas it's just like what's up with like these like 10 pieces of pasta where where are your spots your go-to's for pasta if not in manhattan so i i currently reside in brooklyn and i live i live by saragina's and i've i've been going to saragina's all my for a long time now but it hasn't fallen off i still think it's been i think it's great what's your go-to spot you know as much as people complain about the montes mm-hmm. <laughs> i really i really do like their red sauce uh it is especially their spaghetti mom spaghetti yeah i feel like i don't know i've never really had great italian in new york or like great french either i, I think those dishes are best served like home cooked in you know your like friend's mom's house um but there's something about yeah being served like a shitty plate of spaghetti by like grumpy old a hundred you know a hundred year old men yeah <laughs> that feels, like, somewhat authentic and it, it makes the, the experience that much better where it's like okay Actually, yeah, I'll pay for this. <laughs> Have you ever had like Italian food in the what's the Italian neighborhood? Little Italy. Little Italy. No, I, I haven't. Right, we it's like we walk by there. We we're in Chinatown. We have to cross to get to Nalita, but I don't know anyone that's had pasta there. Yeah, if you find out, let me know. I'll let you know. Rashad, and this is Wear Many Hats presented by Desar. You can check out all the episodes of the Wear Many Hats podcast on all platforms and at wearmanyhats.com. WMH and Desar is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Vivian Lee is a writer and poet based in New York. You may have seen Vivian's words in New York Magazine, Architectural Digest, Essence, The Cut, and Pinup Magazine. Her clients for previous brand and agency work include Sweetgreen and one of our favorites to stay at, the Ace Hotel. Vivian has also spent time working in fashion, hospitality, music, and in 2019 had a stint managing underground nightclubs in Seoul. Clearly, we have questions about managing nightclubs in Seoul since we love Seoul on the Wear Many Hats show. Please welcome Vivian Lee to Wear Many Hats. Yay, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. How was it like, I guess, managing nightclubs in Seoul? It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was also very eye-opening. I hadn't been in Korea in like 20 years um, until I went back and was offered a job by um, Cake Shop in Itaewon. Have you ever been there? I've never been, but my old intern, uh, she performed at Cake Shop. I've, I heard it's oh, legendary. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's an iconic spot. Um, and Gabe and Sam were planning on opening a bar inside the club. So it's like two stories and they have another club called Contra <clears throat> right next door to Cake Shop. And they hired me to come manage it and also help them open the bar. And I had just gotten out of a relationship at the time. I was kind of like crashing with friends and I was like, yeah, I'll fly one way to Korea and do this. And I had like a few, you know, bartending gig experiences in New York at the time. Um, and I went over there and like, I helped them develop the drink menu for the bar and the concept. And we end up landing on like uh, introducing natural wine to that neighborhood because uh, it hadn't really taken off the way it had in New York yet. Right. And Koreans got down with it. They were, you know, really interested in, in the idea of like funky fermented skin cocktail. contact. Yeah. Um, and it paired well with a lot of like anju. It's, uh, it's a Korean word for like drinking food or like drink, like bar snacks. We had like pop-up events and uh, during the days and at night, you know, the club would open and I would just run back and forth between the upstairs and downstairs and made a lot of friends with, you know, some of the young hot things in Taiwan. A lot of cool DJs. There's a really cool like skate scene happening in Seoul. Yeah. And got to experience like what the nightlife culture like is there. <clears throat> which was really interesting because Itaewon is such a party central um, neighborhood, but, you know, drugs are very illegal there. <laughs> yeah. And we have kids like getting drunk on like soju to go listen to like hardcore techno. <laughs> but yeah, it was a good time. Do you still party like that now? No. No, those days are a little, I mean, I think I wore myself out. I mean, I still, I love to go dancing still, but not every night like I used to. Right, Sam, I I feel like I retired. I was just telling friend and guest of the show, Marissa Lee, she's a DJ that she went to a rave on Sunday by all, all days. And I miss going to raves, but we kind of are like sober curious and so we we used to party we used to like party crazy or whatever and now i'm just like i miss going to raise but i guess i would need an espresso and i just sound so old <laughs> saying that no i've been to Taiwan. i love Taiwan. it's amazing when were you last there i was there this year oh cool first time uh seoul has been like number one on on the list and it was it was great i wanted to bop the busan but definitely next trip probably very soon to be honest with you that's exciting yeah i always recommend people go to seoul when when's the last time you've been back uh i haven't been back since 2019 since the pandemic do you plan on going back or are you trying to travel elsewhere I'd like, yeah, I, I need to go back to um, actually like 
file some divorce papers, but I'd love to go back to Japan while I'm there. We love divorce on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have you had many divorce days on your show? We have, surprisingly. The one thing I love about divorces or like even good friends of mine that are going through divorce and going through the divorce papers, I love that they're open about it. I think that's like my favorite and like to share to me, regardless of like how long we've met or just met like the next day. It's they're very open with it. And I'm not wishing this upon me, but I feel like that I would do the same. Have a party. The whole night. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't wait to plan my divorce party. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a rite of passage, I think. It really is. It's not a, I don't see it as a trend or anything like that, but I feel as that, like, I don't know, I don't read too, too many, like, divorce articles or anything like that. Do you write any? No, I I, I can't say that I have yet. But yeah, I recommend everyone to get divorced at least once in their life. <laughs> Is So you have to go back to Korea to fill it out, do the whole thing there? I think so. I'm trying to figure out a way to not have to go through all that. Yeah, yeah, true. You don't have to see him, do you? Or the person? You have to, do you have to like? Yeah, I think we might have to be there together. Ugh, man. I'm just, yeah, I was like, can't you just sign for me? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. I recently someone asked me with all their exes and like divorces, they, I don't know why they're asking me this question, but with certain things that they own, I don't know what your relationship with him was like, but like if it was bad or good, do you still have stuff that? like he that person gave to you like are you like jewelry are you still wearing jewelry or do you like burned all the clothes or like thrown out all the sneakers any type of gifts you know I actually like haven't received many gifts in my your relationship (laughs) wait what no I think he gave me like a book once that I still have uh, that I haven't read and he gave me a suitcase to use when I moved back to New York. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, none of none of like jewelry or anything of that sort. Clearly not a Romolo. Barely in a way. <laughs> yeah, that he would never get back. That's no no jewelry, no nothing. Because I my love language is I give. I'm a giver, so I'm even yeah. if it's like. Right. So like, I don't know, any type of unfortunate incident, not like, like if there's like something, I don't know, you had a bad week or someone passed in your life. I'm always there. Like recently, I just gave someone um, a pair of like Solomon Sandy Lang shoes because something is something happened in their life. Like their dog died. They were you know, sad for days. So I'm just like flower bodega flowers, since the flowers for some odd reason, every shop went up in price for like the tiniest bouquet. So I was like, bodega flowers, every color, and then Sandy Lang 
Solomon shoes get better. <laughs> wow. Well, I'll know who to call if my dog is ever sick. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I five and, <laughs> five and a half women's. Yes. <laughs> I've been learning a lot about women's sizes. I it's kind of, as of late with like shoes and whatnot. What have you been learning? Everyone, it's either if you have like if you were a size eight in women's, you have giant feet, and <laughs> if you have like five and a half, you have tiny feet. That's true. Can't argue with that. But then I'm like thinking, wow, okay, now I got women's like feet sizes in my head. Oh, you're like the foot guy now. No, I. That's the thing. I'm not trying to be the foot guy. <laughs> feet picks are not free. Speaking of the foot guy now, I don't know how like foot fetishes became such a boom as of late. Yeah, me neither. Foot fetishes and like heights. Like, why do people care so much about like how tall you are? I think most people would argue that's like an evolutionary thing. Mm. At least, or I don't know, in the traditional sense, like women, for example, want to feel protected out in the world. Oh, they do. So they want they, like. I mean, no, I just mean like you know that's obviously like a somewhat dated mode of thinking since now but they i still i just think that i'm not trying to be that person but like when i'm out and i tell someone like how tall i am i'm five seven people are like oh you're very short and i'm like i'm very short for five seven i don't have like a napoleon complex or anything but i feel like five seven is pretty normal but then the other day I went out to dinner with one of my, my friends and she was really, really short. And I never thought about that. But now <laughs> I'm like, am I turning into that person that thinks about height? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, yeah, you just got to like not internalize things like that because so much of it is relative too. But I feel short no matter where I go in New York City. I mean, I'm 5'1", but I'm just like, how, why Why is everyone so Amazonian? Like, did everyone <laughs> grow up drinking whole milk except me? <laughs> whole milk, yeah, that was like one of the, I don't know, is that a myth? Is that a thing? Like, so I know that growing up, I've heard of drinking whole milk would make you taller, but I heard that also if you smoked cigarettes, it's not your growth and you'd be short forever. I smoked cigarettes all throughout like high school and like college. So I'm where I'm at today <laughs> because of that. But I also think that like everyone knows that I'm Asian. You're Asian. I feel that as we get older, I don't know, my parents are like, they've gotten smaller. Like, I feel like that's like an Asian thing. Mm hmm They've like shrunk down a little. Bone structures, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like it's like an Asian thing. Yeah, it's kind of endearing to see sometimes like this figure that used to hover over you and beat you every night is sh shrinking <laughs> before your eyes. And you're taller? Yeah, I know. 
Did you grow up in the States or did you grow up in Korea? Both. I I was born in the States. I grew up in Korea until, I mean, I was raised there until I was like seven. And then I moved back to the States. Um, but I mostly grew up in Virginia. Virginia. Why is that everyone I talk to, it's either like, it's it's all over the place. It's like the mostly Asians, like they have their own, I don't know, there is like a Chinatown in every city, obviously, but you were in Virginia. Some were in like Austin, Texas. Some have been in like the Bay Area, but we we all come collectively to New York. Yeah. Could you ever go back to Virginia? Um, I, I do go back sometimes to see my grandma and my family. And I've come to appreciate it more as I've grown older, you know. When I was younger, I always just thought of it as like very boring and pastoral and suburban white. Uh, but now I'm just like, oh wow, the air is so clean here. Like totally. the streets are so clean too. Um, do, you ever, do you ever go upstate? Not as much as I'd like to. I don't. I don't drive. So, but I've been a few times. Can you drive? I have my learner's permit, so yes. It's good. <laughs> Can you swim? No. That's usually the two questions I follow up with, if you can or cannot drive, and then can you swim? But it's usually for, like, New York guests, but born and raised. Would you ever try to learn how to swim? I would, yeah. I did learn once um, to get my scuba diving license. Oh, hell yeah. But I, I've never, like, practiced, you know, like, out in the ocean or anything like that. But, yeah, it's funny. Like, what's that saying? Like, oh, you, you if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. But no one knows how to drive or swim. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. But that's cool that you tried to get your uh, scuba diving. I've never yeah. been scuba diving. It's fun. And it's really easy. Um yeah, I have my open water certificate, which is like the begin, you know, beginner's license. Where uh, did you go scuba diving? I went to this place called Lake Anna in Virginia. Oh, so it wasn't like, like the Bahamas or anything. No, not yet. I need to. I need to make a friend who also knows how to dive um, and like plan a trip to do that sometime soon. Have you been, have you been to like the Bahamas or like, you know, Mexico and Puerto Rico? I've been to Mexico and I've been to the Dominican Republic. I haven't been to the Bahamas. No, I'm just asking because I'm the only one that hasn't been to like any of those islands or even South. And I just get so much shit for it. You need to go. I'm just not a vic. I'm a vacation person, but I'm not like a, like, I'm not like a, I am a beach person, but I'm not like a beach vacationer. I'm more of like a city vacation person. But I feel like that's all going to change after you just said that, after you brought up scuba diving, because like, that's... I don't know if that's on people's like bucket lists to go scuba diving or anything like that, but I've been skydiving. Have you been skydiving? 
Never. Would you ever do skydiving? No, I have a very big fear of heights. Oh, you do? I'll never go skydiving ever again. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Just don't ever go skydiving ever. Where did you go? I did it in Detroit. So it wasn't like anything romantic or anything like that. And there was like no sightseeing. And it was kind of me and my brother got into a fight. It was really, I I heard of like a crazy skydiving incident that happened before and that just like kept me up for days so the whole thing was just like crazy so you guys got into a fight and then you were like okay i'm gonna jump off this cliff (laughs) (laughs) and if i die fuck you type situation (laughs) yeah every everyone should handle an argument like that (laughs) great stress relief yeah the great stress reliever skydiving i guess we should get into like some writing situations you know i think you're the only writer i know that doesn't have a newsletter after i like looked you up yeah i've i've thought about it you know it's like there's nowhere really for writers to write anymore i am really like enamored by the whole newsletter movement right now but because because you know I feel inundated with so many of them I don't I don't know I don't want to just like add to the noise right um but there are some that I really enjoy reading if you were to have a newsletter what would you write about I would probably write about Breakup diets. Breakup diets. I love it already. <laughs> I um, <laughs> subscribe right there. Um, <clears throat> maybe um, dogs. I feel like there's no magazines or publications about cool dogs in New York. Like, no. why? <laughs> no, not at all. Two already are perfect. Dogs and breakup <laughs> diets. I haven't seen any of that. Everyone has been writing the same thing, which is like cultural, like up to date situations, like boobs are back or boobs are not back, <laughs> like butts are in, butts are out. Everyone's writing the same thing in their newsletter, which is cool. You could get this on Twitter or something. It's just like links to other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if I had a newsletter, there wouldn't really be like a coherent theme or a subject. It would just be kind of like a live wire platform. So far, so good. But I I was just thinking today about like, okay, this is like controversial, but I, I love dogs, but I don't have... I don't have a dog, but dog people, I I feel like dog people are like a lot different from, I mean, regular people, I guess you could say. I'm trying to like figure out like a nice way of putting it. It's like, I feel like dog people are like in their own world. Yeah. Ever since I got a dog, that's, you know, like I only really hang out with other people who have dogs or (laughs) talk to people who have dogs and I hate being that person you know when 
my whole identity has just become my dog. Right. The truth um, comes out. Yeah, that's one thing that, you know, Bruce has taught me a lot about is sense of like boundaries and maintaining my own identity in this relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember when I first got him as a puppy, you know, I would show him off to everyone and you're like walking him on the street and everyone just gravitates towards your dog and right. you know, like, doesn't make eye contact with you or like they don't give a fuck about you. And I no. take it so personally. I'm like, you do. I want attention too. Like I, I want to talk to you. Like hello, I'm I'm here. <laughs> but now I I've gotten used to it, and I've learned to separate myself from Bruce. You have not, not an extension of me whatsoever. Have you met like friends at like dog parks with like other like dog walkers or like went out to dinner with any? Any dudes out there with like dogs or I I like dated someone last year who had a dog and I didn't have a dog at the time. Yeah, now now it's also like, oh yeah, if you were to date me, like you are also dating my dog. Like how does that feel? Right, right. I remember I remember one time I dated someone. I didn't date I didn't date this person, but she wanted to come over to my place and I have really expensive furniture. And she was like, can I bring my dog over? And I'm like, um, I didn't set up my like apartment to be dog friendly. And so I was like, not now. <laughs> and, and like, it was immediately Rashad hates dogs. And I was like, I didn't say that. Like, I don't hate dogs. I just like have to like, get out like doggy pads and probably like bubble wrap my furniture before they come over because I wasn't thinking when I moved into my apartment to be like dog friendly but now I'm just like it's on my forehead saying like I hate dogs which I don't (laughs) I, I absolutely love dogs yeah I don't you know I don't even like let some boyfriends sit on my couch so I'm like I don't want you to fart on on that like <laughs> i paid lots of money for for this vintage sofa um can you like fart in the other room <laughs> oh my god <clears throat> that that's not true it is oh i'm not OCD. That's why I make my dog wear shoes whenever I take him out and walks. No way. That's good. That's very Asian of you. <laughs> I actually never really thought about that. Yeah, because you're bringing all that. People, dog owners don't think that like that. Unless when they bring their dog home and then they like wipe the bottoms of their feet. But you'll always forget. You'll get tired. Uh-huh. Do you have any like secrets or tips of taking care of your dog or anything like that that you would like to share secrets that would that would be in the newsletter definitely invest in good rain boots if you live in a city or i guess anywhere i have recently like opted into doggy daycare for him so you know i work from home but 
sometimes I just don't want to think about him all day long. <laughs> that makes sense. And it's good to socialize. Um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I have any other like hot tips though. No, that's good enough. Don't want to overwhelm, you know, our <laughs> listeners or anything like that. <laughs> Do you um when you when you're alone, no dogs, just yourself, and you're taking a break from your day job or writing. Do you do you still write poetry? Yeah, I do. But I haven't really published any in a while. No zines. Yeah, no zines. I I just had a conversation with someone that like wants to come on the show and she's an aspiring poet but wants to get like poetry. She wants to have her like writing or like her poetry ready to go when she's like on the show and like wants to drop her poetry on you and I'm just like you don't have to do that like I'm not forcing you to do anything just come on the show but usually people that it's just so um personal I guess are your is your poetry like very personal I've never read any of your poetry um yeah I guess most of it is personal it's about divorce uh, no I haven't written about divorce yet oh yeah it's coming <laughs> actually the divorce hasn't affected me that much I think enough for me to be fueled by it to put it on paper but was the marriage getting married make you want to write maybe that part yeah just because it was such an impulsive decision you know um, to be honest, we were only married like two weeks. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Wait, what? I love that. It was just only two weeks and you were like, nah. Yeah. Um, we got married like right before I moved back to New York and he wanted to do long distance and I didn't. Um, I was like, okay, well. You know, if you want this to work out, we have to get married. Uh, it, was, it was kind of a silly, silly thing. I don't love this. Makes for a good story. No, I feel like you're going to write a... I mean, I don't know if you've published any books yet, but I feel like you're going to write a fire love story. It's coming. Yeah, there will be several. I'm a hopeless romantic, so I, I think about love a lot and I think I write about love a lot too you write a lot about love yeah I don't write poetry but I do write lyrics for like music and it's very personal but I get it out there but if I were to write about like I mean sure I have a podcast and I have dropped here and there pieces of my love life to just like save my personal stuff I don't know if I could do it publicly but you're fine with that. It seems like you're fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I, I don't know. It's such a big part of the human experience. Something that's like hard to be vulnerable about, but also very rewarding when you are. Is I think when we're in love, we're all the same. It's like one of the most universal experiences to have in common. That's true. But yeah. 
that's deep. I didn't really think we were gonna like touch on like love and divorce <laughs> on the show, but that's good. That's good. Hats off to you and everything that you do for some Desarve Wear Many Hats solutions. Would you be dropping a book anytime this year, or it's are you just writing down notes? I don't think it'll be out this year. Maybe in a year or two. I'm like I'm in the drafting phase. Not signed. Yeah, not something I want to rush either. I feel like there's there's so much like auto fiction that's been coming out. Again, I think, you know, good stories come with time. I agree. Not to say that there aren't good stories out there right now. <laughs> okay, this is Bill Corner. Drop some books you're reading right now. I just read my first Gen Z fiction story by a writer named Madeline Cash. I'm in the middle of reading... Um, a book called The Hangman by one of my favorite writers and uh, colleague. Her name is Maya Binyam. It comes out this August and I'm interviewing her about the book. So Sick. reading that. Yeah, I picked up a book uh, called Bad Thoughts by a writer named Nadia. It's like also autofiction. I haven't finished that one. Um, that's been on my desk lately. Those have been on my desk lately. That's great. I usually, I've never asked anyone on the show, like what they're reading. And usually that's like a date question when people are like on dating apps or just like meeting someone out in public. It's just like, what are you actually? No one has ever asked me that. I would just freeze up and be like the Rick Rubin book. (laughs) <laughs> but I first that like a long time ago. No, that's good. That's really good. To, so these are some of them are your colleagues and some of them are your friends, or you just like, I'm really in, interested in the Gen Z one too, the Gen Z book. Yeah. Um, that, that one was interesting. I actually reviewed it for a friend who's like launching a, a publication of book reviews. Um, so you can read my review on it there. Nice. But you know, as a as an aging millennial, I feel like I feel like it's important to stay in touch or like keep 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 in touch with other voices of different generations. And I've really been interested in like Josh Citarella's take on on Gen Z generation and post-industrialism and oh yeah he's got takes for days yeah and like getting a sense of their milieu and how they think and view the world has been really interesting I mean I have I have like younger sisters who are also like um of that generation but we don't really like talk about their political views or worldviews or anything like that right has that ever crossed your mind where as a millennial you're like oh gen z doesn't know this or gen z doesn't know that but like they'll learn or like they're just too young no you know i i think i think sometimes like i don't know i they have valid inputs that they're making um and uh, I mean, 
there is kind of like a nihilistic attitude that that we see uh for most of them where you're like yeah you guys are just young <laughs> and we you know we've totally. been there <laughs> but um no no that's good because i've been more open to like gen z I used to there was a time where I'd be like, oh, Gen Z doesn't know anything or whatever. But they're but now it's just like, oh yeah, they're the future. So give them the floor and go off. I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's it's when I don't know, you meet you meet someone who's like 9-11 never happened. Then you're like, okay, you like where did you take history lessons? <laughs> Where did right. you go to school? Exactly, exactly. Jesus. No, I've never met anyone that was like 9-11 didn't happen or just like a proud boy or like I've never met any like a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. M my brother has like friends that are conspiracy theorists, but he they try not to talk about that really bring it up but that's like suburban talk mm. so i guess that's why i chose to live in a city to avoid all these conversations i'm a little bit of a conspiracy a closet conspiracy theorist but yeah it's probably because i grew up in the suburbs like right near nsa and the cia and <laughs> no way like what kind of what kind of things do you dab in i don't have i don't like pledge allegiance to any certain like groups or beliefs i've been like really interested in reading about this woman named what madame blavatsky who is like a russian mystic occultist who kind of inspired a lot of the nazi ideologies mm -hmm. um like her whole theories on the Aryan race and she Shit. Had these crazy predictions about um you know like we're we're all gonna like migrate to mercury one day and she believed we were all psychics and uh she, you know she had theories about the lost empire of atlantis and i definitely believe that atlantis was a real <laughs> civilization and maybe also like yeah there are like warnings to heed from from them um I was really into this like guy named Edgar Casey, who is a prophet from Virginia. Uh, I think, yeah, I think when I was like growing up in the suburbs, I was like reading, you know, I went to like the Catholic church and I oh, was shit. reading a lot of Dan Brown at the time. Well done. Um, like around the time when, you know, everyone was freaking out about the Mayan calendar in 2012, the world ending. I was reading the, the Bible. Good days. <laughs> I was reading the Bible and like discovering blogs on the internet for the first time <laughs> reading about prophets. So I think we all were. I mean, no one was talking about astrology. But the mind calendar was like our astrology. We're like, oh shit, like this is the day. We all could relate. We're all on the same page. I'm not a closet conspiracy theorist. I'm more of like I'm very intrigued by conspiracy theorists i guess the way they think yeah 
maybe that's a better way to put it. I think whatever whatever you want to believe in tends to, you know, kind of mm, mm, gets mirrored back into your reality. Right. Right. Like the there's there's this girl that she was a it's it wasn't like a not a sex cult but in i don't know somewhere in the south she i can't even i can't even begin to bring this up because she was starting a religion and it was like a sex religion but she went to jail i think they all go to jail after she went to jail but her sex cult never made headlines it made headlines, but it's it's just like so complicated to it's more of like that's the thing about I can't describe conspiracy theorists and their theories. I can only listen. I think that's I can't spread the good word. I can only <laughs> take in the good word. How we end off the podcast is we ask if you were to get a chest tattoo quote, what would it be? Oh, um it doesn't have to be a bible verse i know you read a lot of bible <laughs> back then <laughs> um it definitely wouldn't be 9-11 never happened uh, <laughs> um spaghetti lover we love that that was that's perfect thank you vivian for coming on wear many hats it was great to have you <laughs> thanks for having me rashad Oh, also uh, plug your socials. Where can people find you? I guess they can find me on Twitter or... You're active on Twitter. Do you do you think Twitter, Twitter will die? I know this is like... <laughs> I think it's it's already kind of dying. But, you know, I yeah. I don't know. I don't use it as much as I used to. Did you have a blue check? No. Oh, you're giving blue check. That's why I asked. <laughs> What's your IG? Oh, uh, it's why vividly. I wish I had like a more fun handle. <laughs> no, that's perfect. That's perfect. Maybe I should change it to spaghetti lover after this. Spaghetti lover would be perfect, but I'm pretty sure it's definitely taken. It would have to be like spaghetti lover, like six or twenty. Yes, yeah, spaghetti lover four twenty. Owner of spaghetti. On- <laughs> street coming summer 2024 coming summer 2024 till next time this is where many hats presented by tassar and i'm rashad peace